You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackowitz, the rector of the Cathedral in Chicago, and co-host Mark Teresi, executive director. Good morning, Mark. Are you awake? I am awake. We had some great weekend celebrations, the Hispanic. Hispanic uh, 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 Ministry in the Arts honored Bishop Manns on Friday. We had Christy Fidelis yesterday uh, in the cathedral. Yesterday at the cathedral, which was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. The Cardinal Subic and all the auxiliaries were there, and uh, it's you know, Christy Fidelis is a once-year opportunity for us to thank the laity right. for making such a profound difference. And I, I had to remind Father Greg, this award ceremony is not for you. <laughs> it's for I had a <laughs> had a speech written <laughs> he and, did. and ready to go. And I always tell people, you are the church. Right. Together we are the body of Christ. You're powerful, 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 wonderful and, lay leaders. And people appreciate it to be recognized for uh, the work they do. It's phenomenal. I mean, that uh, the church is all of us together. We are the body of Christ. And it's interesting because Father Carl Morello was there from St. Giles, and then Catherine St. Lucy's, they're blending the parishes. Mm-hmm. So he was explaining to me for this year, they're honoring people from both Excellent. both parishes. And he said, uh, down the road, as they blend together, they'll honor you know, folks from their one bl- blended parish. But also, you know, transitions are messy. Yeah. They're difficult. And I always tell people, the only person who really welcomes change is a wet baby. <laughs> it's true. People don't like change. They're like, they're creatures of habit. Don't rock the boat. Keep things the same. And so we have a great program. Lined up. By the way, the Bears, uh, no uh, offense. Can I do one commercial? Sure, to, go ahead. Um, I don't know if you can see. Misericordia's event is October 15th, their annual gala downtown. We're very close to Miz. I'm sure most yeah. people in Chicago Now, is are. this different than... The, the event was held a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that was Family Fest. It got, it rained all day, and then they finished up. But at that four. was the monsoon day. Yes. Yeah, and now they're coming back to their live event on October fifteenth. Where's it being held? I think it's at the Hilton. I, I should have double checked, but you can go on misericordia dot org, and they have all the info. Also, tonight is the uh, Father Bob McLaughlin Faith Foundation Dinner Gathering uh, in the Northridge yes. Country Club. It's hard to believe that Father McLaughlin died back in January of 2005. Honoring Leo High School and also Josephina. Exactly, both of them. So tremendous, uh, great, great evening plan. So I mentioned like the the Bears have no offense. (laughs) 
Thank God the Cubs season and White Sox season coming to a close. Better luck next year. So we'll move on to our program now. Our guests today are Myra Flores and Michael Hoffman. Healing Conversations, the Dallas Charter, 20 Years of Progress of Protecting Children and Healing Victims. In Dallas, 2002, their annual meeting, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops drafted this landmark document in response to the crisis of sexual abuse of children in our Catholic Church. So, Myra, Mike, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, now here, um, Myra is suffering from a little bit of a battle of a uh, uh, sinus condition. Yes, yes. So. Get a little close to the microphone, Myra. I will. I will. Thank you. So, yes, I'm battling it, and I've been battling it all weekend and trying to make sure that I get uh, well enough for today, but I still have a little... Your voice sounds fine. Sounds fine. <laughs> it sounds fine. Now, Meyer, you've been with the office for how many years? So you want me to date myself again. So I've mm. been with the office since 1991. 91. And it was not known as the Office for the Protection of Children and Youth at that time, but it was a response for, um, for then Cardinal Bernadine and his wish to create policies and an office to um, respond to any kind of victim that wants to come forward and report abuse by clergy. And um, Cardinal Bernadine at that time commissioned a group of people to look over the policies and to make recommendations to them. And they did, they did. They they came up with um, what we know now as the Child Abuse Investigations and Review. And, and um, they did not come up with this, but then Cardinal Bernadine himself said, I want an office that responds to victims pastorally and provide resources to them. And he was the one that created our Victim Assistance Ministry, which is now Assistance Ministry. So um, that was back in 92. So it predates the charter. And By 10 years. Yes. But, mm -hmm. but weren't we a model for other dioceses? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only by our policies, but also our independent review board that makes recommendations to the cardinal when they hear the allegations, when they get the reports. Um, and so the Victim Assistance Office um, was that model mm -hmm. at that time. And it was the first office of its kind in and the United States. And for him to go through the accusations oh, he went through, mm -hmm. he yes. kind of modeled a whole pastoral style right. on right. how to look at being accused. You know, it's right. hard to believe 1991 you came to the Archdiocese in that office. 92, things got rolling. 2002, the Dallas Charter. Mm -hmm. And we're talking 20, 30 years ago. Right. And it just feels like yesterday. Now, with Mike Hoffman, I've known the Hoffman family since they arrived about 1999 at St. Mary of the Woods when I was pastor. You, Colleen, your beautiful children. And now, Mike... You and I were great friends, are great friends, when you arrived, and we would talk often. You were very involved in the parish. But maybe for our listeners, they would say, well, what is Mike Hoffman doing here today? Sure. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe back up the clock a little bit. I remember we would talk often in the back of church, you know, White Sox, Cubs, Bears, Blackhawks, Bulls, all that. But then one day in 2006, in June, you gave me a call, very serious, and said, Greg, I have to talk with you soon. I thought, oh, okay, Mike, how about tomorrow at 4 o'clock? I think it was 4 o'clock. Yeah. And you said, fine, I'll see you. I hung up the phone. And I thought, something's not right because Mike would we'd always banter back and forth about school board or parish council or athletics, whatever, and tell us a couple of jokes. And I thought, wow, is it Mike's 
marriage? Is, did he lose a job? What's going on in his personal life? Take it yeah. from there. Yeah. You came to see me. Well, sure. Thank you for having me. It's always great to see you as well uh, with you, Mark, um, and, uh, and, and Myra. Uh, so uh, to go off of Myra's um, uh, answer real quick, that you know, I'm the victim survivor of clergy abuse who's affected by the policies that were implemented here uh, in Chicago in 1992, and then since uh, Chicago was a model for the Dallas Charter in 2002. Uh, so, yes, to answer your question, um, I felt, you know, very strongly that I wanted to share my story with you, Father Greg, because we are so active at St. Mary of the Woods. And I believe in having an open heart, especially when you participate in the liturgy. And for me to hold this story back and still be involved at church it seemed disingenuous and it seemed you know not honest to to me and to my family and to our our parish and so i felt compelled to reach out to you and i hope the re the listeners can understand that it's it's a difficult thing to tell your catholic priest now that you were sexually abused by your catholic priest when you were a little boy and so i was anxious uh, very anxious, and so uh, even though we had a great relationship, we still do. Uh, that's a that's a difficult thing. I didn't know how you were going to take it. For example, if you were going to feel that maybe I was questioning you or your good ministry or your good character, and obviously I was not doing that. And so, yes, you welcomed me, and I was able to tell you my story of childhood sexual abuse by a priest. And for the listeners, Father Greg always has something to say. And that was a moment where Father Greg didn't have anything to say. And I, I, wanted, I want the listeners to know that that's probably the most, you know, human reaction is to just listen and hear. And, and you did, Father Greg. You, you heard the depth of my sadness and my pain. And I so appreciate that, you know, 16 years later, and here we are still talking about that. And thank mm -hmm. God you were, you are who you are and we are who we are. And, and I could reach out to you. So I do still appreciate that very much. I remember vividly that, um, you were telling me the story. I never doubted you for a moment because you're a man of integrity, which means your words and actions fit. I had just such compassion and I, I almost wanted to cry. But the but very important part of this was you came to see me, but you read the article in the newspaper about this priest in your parish who had abused you and other boys too and said, I can't keep this a secret any longer. You told your wife, Kathy. Yes. And Kathy's the one who said after you told her, you've got to go tell Greg. You just can't keep this here. And I remember when you and I talked, I said, Mike, thank you very much for coming. This is heroic on your part to share this and it was I remember you told me you kept it a secret for 30 years mm. wow. you didn't tell anyone including mom and dad no human being for 30 years to keep that dark secret that you did nothing wrong for 30 years and then I said it can't stop here and then I put you to the office of protection of God's children yeah. diocese and Myra who would Mike have talked to back in 2006? 
Well, back in 2006, Myra literally actually, opened the door for me. It was Myra? Myra Flores opened the door for me. Oh, so you but spoke he, to Myra. Well, I opened the door for him. It was his courageous step that he th- walked over the threshold. So um, I introduced him to then Liam McCluskey, who was the uh, ch- the director of Child Abuse Investigations and Review, and Ralph Bonacorsi, who was the director of Assistance mm-hmm. Ministry. So there's a team effort in this. We know, we recognize that um, this is all has to be tailored to the person, not a one one size fits all. So, after you and Greg, Mike, you and Greg spoke. What was the n- next step for you? Did you feel like? How did you feel at that point? Was there an openness to like continue to tell the story, or did you go back in the shell? Or sure, no, that's a very good point. So, um, sharing my story with my wife took a toll. I mean, there's an emotional toll, and so I had to recover from that for, for a bit. Did she have a clue? Or a, a, at all? So it knocked clue. her off her chair that you yeah. even shared that story. Yeah. No. Wow. And then uh, same, similar with Father Greg, you know, I had to kind of recover from that emotional content mm-hmm. and that anxiety and kind of process that. But very soon thereafter, probably within, you know, three weeks or so, so it was relatively quick, and I did then from that moment reach out to the Archdiocese of Chicago, and I've been positively impacted by the process here of, of what they do to listen to the, the survivors. Was the accuser deceased at that point, or was... No, uh, my, my abuser was... I mean, I'm sorry. Sure, that's okay. My abuser was uh, previously uh, served j- a jail time, and he was still alive. Mm-hmm. He was, had been laicized. And um, uh, so we can talk about that. Yeah, well, let's continue. Since you're in the studio, you saw Greg say it's time for a break. <laughs> <laughs> if you were on, give Mark, if you yeah, were Mark, on Zoom, you would Mark never misses, see it. Mark misses signals. I've got to give him the signals. Yeah, he's pretty <laughs> obvious. You go to our break. WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Or you go to YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll continue our conversation with Myra Flores, Mike Hoffman, um, about how your healing occurred. And not alone. Healing occurs in a community, and you brought that message because I was at Mary of the Woods when you would share that message with the community there, and I'm sure many lives are healed because of it. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. October 8th, Catholic Charities and the Archdiocese of Chicago will gather with other religious and civic organizations in a rally against domestic violence. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Join us as we rally, walk, and stand in prayer, saying no to domestic violence. The rally will be held at St. Catherine Drexel Parish, 91st Street and Stony Island Avenue in Chicago from 9 to 11 a.m. Registration begins at 8.30. 
For more information, call 312-948-6529. That's 312-948-6529. Let's raise awareness and work together to stop domestic violence. year 44 for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed. What? what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Come to the Mercy Mile on the West Loop to cheer on runners in the 2022 Bank of America Chicago Marathon, Sunday, October 9th from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mercy Home for Boys and Girls annual cheer zone and celebration features games, food trucks, a DJ, a climbing wall, and lots of activities for kids. Conveniently located just west of downtown Chicago, it's the best place to have fun with the whole family while watching 40,000 runners pass by Mercy Home at 1140 West Jackson. And it's free! Join the fun and cheer with Mercy Home on October 9th. Go to mercyhome.org. We're back, WNDZ, Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Teresa here, 312-255-840. I'll go to youtube.com. We're with Myra Flores, Mike Coffin. We're talking about healing conversation, the Dallas Charter. But before we get into the Charter, Mike, could you continue uh, your story about the healing process? What, what came, so you spoke to Greg, you spoke to your wife, you went, met Myra. Yeah. Where did it go from there? Sure. Well, that, that's really the core reason why I'm here. I want all victims, survivors, and family members to know that there is a process and that, you know, the process that I went through, I was met with decency and compassion and professionalism, not confrontation. Mm -hmm. And so if you kind of put yourself in the survivor's shoes there for a moment, you don't know how this is going to go. You're, you're going to make a, an accusation against a beloved priest and, and you don't know how that's going to be received. To a group of priests. To a, a, you know, really the archdiocese. Yeah. And so there's anxiety. But I want, I want all victim survivors and family members to know uh, the anxiety is, is normal. But I was met with decency and compassion and, and respect, not confrontation. And so I think that's the difference here in my story here at the Archdiocese of Chicago. That's been the process for many years. And so once I did tell my story, even though it, it, it's hard to recall those acts of abuse that I had been holding back for over 30 years, that takes a toll. But ultimately, as I look back now, it is a therapeutic process. And I can, can feel 
feel reconciled to my past and to my family's past and how that affects my faith as I move forward. And so that's ultimately what I, I wanted to share about the process of coming forward here in Chicago. Now, you didn't, you know, you talked about being with Greg, and you didn't abandon the church even though you had not dealt with this issue. I mean, Correct. you were involved. You were, I mean, Correct. How, did that, how did that feel? Well, I'm, my, I blame my parents. My parents mm-hmm. raised me a, a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. They were practicing Catholic. My mother still calls it our Catholic identity, she uses the word heritage, like our Catholic heritage. And so, you know, my parents thought they were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, spending time with a beloved priest would be quality time spent in a mentoring type of a relationship. Yeah. And, and so obviously that wasn't the case here. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, you know, the, the passing along my faith to my children isn't going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still our faith, even though this particular priest did some very bad things. Oh. Now, along yeah. those lines, you've written a couple of books or um, involved. Give us the name of the books and how people can get copies of them, Mike. Sure, sure. So Acts of Recovery, the story of one man's uh, story of uh, healing from abuse by a priest, is published by ACTA Publications. And Which it, is ACTA Publications. ACTA, and uh, that's really my process of going forward through the review board process. How can they get the, they can get that book through uh, Amazon.com and, Amazon. and ActaPublications.com. And the book that came out last year? That was a compilation of 16 voices of, of abuse survivors, priests, yourself, and leadership, Cardinal Supix, for example, four other priests, uh, laity, Myra, staff, um, all writing essays on what the healing garden of the Archdiocese of Chicago means to them. And that book is called? It's called The Healing Garden, A Catalyst of Hope. And that book is published through? Uh, Act of Publications again at actapublications.com. And there are two excellent books. And... And we connect all your story, which, thank you for the sharing of that, Mike, very much, is, Myra, talk about the Dallas Charter now 20 years later. Tremendous progress has been made, but there's still ways to go. Am I right? Yes, because it, it's progress, but it's also evolution. And evolution doesn't, doesn't stop. And we don't want it to stop because we always want to be a church that has safe environments. Uh, for our children, for our vulnerable adults, for anybody that that comes to receive services or comes to um, minister there or or faith their worship there, and so the the Dallas Charter um, was a response at the time to a crisis, and um, the Boston Globe had broken the story of all these mm-hmm. uh, clergy leadership, this church leadership, that had cover up church abuse by clergy. and That was um, back in Boston in 2002. Yes, and they brought it out. It was more like 2001, but then the bishops responded. They didn't say they were going to close schools, they were going to close youth ministry, they were not going to close religious uh, ed. They responded by saying, we're going to change our culture. We're going to make it safe. We're going to make sure that we have background checks in place, we have training in place, and that we have training for our children to teach them that they have a right to be respected, 
that they have a right to be safe. And if they're not respected and safe, more importantly, they have a right to tell, which is something that Mike and many young victims at the time didn't know. They didn't think they were going to believe. They didn't think that as young as they were that they could go to church uh, people, church laity and church um, priests and clergy and sisters and all the leaders in the church and say, this is what happened to me, and be believed. But now it's very different. Now there's a culture of saying, uh, come to us, not only with clergy abuse, but if there's something going on in your life that is just not going right, please tell us because we want to help you. We can't always fix it. We never promise children that we can fix it. But we can promise that we'll help. And that's what we want to get across to children. Now, this is taken so seriously, that you know, folks, that we priests in our diocese must keep on our desk in the office a piece of paper with your phone number mm-hmm. to the archdiocese. So in case someone were to come to me and talk, I have the ability to give them a number to keep the ball rolling. That's what happened back in 2006, Mike, because I had the number on my desk. You would call Myra in the office. So in that, this is taken very, very seriously. Mm-hmm. And the part that, of course, we wouldn't have a number, and this may be an impossible question for Myra or Mike, but I'm still guessing there's a good number of people out there who've been abused by a priest 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago that have yet to come forward. They're just ashamed or afraid that they'll be put down or how can they tell this to someone. And so a program like this, as part of the whole healing process, is invite people and say, the Archdiocese of Chicago does respond with compassion, decency, they listen, they take you seriously, they do not judge, because I've talked to others too, who've said the exact same things you have, Mike, and been so affirming of the Archdiocese, that it's, it's about healing and recovery. Mark? Yeah, I was wondering, Mike, so we may have listeners that weren't abused by a priest. They were abused, period. Mm-hmm. Are, is that a ministry that the arts would, you know, if it were not a priest, but I'm hearing this program and I think, oh, there could be help there. Who can come? So sure, I'll, I'll give an answer then defer back to Myra. But yes, uh, 100% of the times when I've spoken about my story, 100% of the times others have come to me and said they were abused not not none by a priest, but by a family member mm-hmm. or friend of the family type of a situation. And so I've always encouraged them and I encourage people now to contact the Archdiocese of Chicago Office of Assistance Ministry. The office was primarily set up, first set up for the clergy abuse uh, uh, situation, but it's expanded to help any abuse survivor provide any resources throughout the city. And so I would uh, kick this over to Myra on that. And it's true. Um, we may not be able to pay for all the therapy, but we have resources. Everybody, the, the idea behind assistance ministry is not to um, just have Catholics come forward. It's to be able to provide resources. Now, when you say, Father Greg, that um, uh, we, you report to us, you, you give us our number, we also make sure that we report to DCFS. Mm-hmm. If there's a child at risk right now, we make sure that we make those hotline calls. Um, we are all mandated reporters, even those that are not teachers or not school personnel. Morally, we are here to protect children. So if a 
if and you talked about the time it takes for a person come to come forward many times we hear from victims who say they waited for their parents to pass away because they were afraid that their um, very religious mother mm-hmm. would have really real difficulty in hearing that the the church abused their child and that's how they would see it so people don't receive services from us with the intention of getting them back into the church but rather that's our our gospel responsibility we're supposed to be helping them now before um, mark takes it a break because we're almost at that time mike our listener might be saying when you were a kid why did you never and i know the answer but why did you never tell your mom and dad well sure no well uh, so think about it uh this priest was a dear friend of my parents who revered him and he was held up high in the community and had great respect in the community. Um, I was unable, I was 12 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. So a little 12 year old child is unable to process the, the, your parents' expectations, the societal and community expectations, along with my own safety and my own needs. And so the coping mechanism, Father Greg, is to keep it all inside. And so that's why people do that. Uh, also related to Myra's comment about some, you know, it's a, it's a religious topic. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very uh, personal religious topic that the mother is trying to pr- pass along the faith to the mm-hmm. child, yet the priest abused the child. Those are concepts that were really hard for my parents to understand. Right. And so I kept it all inside. And you're, you're not only, Myra, you're talking about changing the culture. You're changing a power structure. Oh, right. A- right. And you know, you're you're denting you're denting it at age twelve to even bring it up. Twelve-year-old mm-hmm. mm-hmm. child, any child of that age is not able to do that. Right. That's a mountain to climb for yes. a twelve-year-old child. Exactly. Mark, take us to break. Sure. WNDZ seven fifty AM, Catholic Chicago three one two two five five eight four zero eight, or you can go to YouTube dot com slash catholic chicago and when we come back i know it'll be a prelude to the annual mass for hope and healing but you mentioned the garden and we need to talk about that we'll be back in a few minutes please stay tuned Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. 
I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it's, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackwitz, Mark Treacy here with Myra Flores, Michael Hoffman. We're talking about the Healing Conversation Dallas Charter, but now we're going to talk a little bit about the annual Mass for Hope and Healing, opportunity for victims and survivors to find a safe place where they can feel supported and loved, 1992, the Archdiocese of Chicago put in place policies and procedures to address allegations and issues related to sexual abuse of minors. The Office for the Protection of Children and Youth is committed, has been and is committed to continuing the important work to protect our children, to accompany victims and survivors of sexual abuse. All are encouraged to welcome to attend the Mass of Hope and Healing in October. Two things. One, can you give that phone number if people want to report a situation or want to connect with the Arch in terms of abuse? Where do they call? So they would call the Office for the Protection of Children and Youth, and um, it would be 1-312-534-5238. And number once again, Myra? Area code 312-534-5238. And that's the Office of Safe Environment. And we're all cross-trained, so if you call one office or the other, if you go online to the Archdiocesan website, there's a, a tab, if you will, dedicated to child protection. So it's archchicago.org, yes. and what's the tab? It's child protection, so we mm -hmm. want to make it very transparent, very clear, very easy to get. Good. So that annual Mass for Hope and Healing, do you want to give people some specifics? And then uh, if it's where I think it is, it's connected to the garden. And maybe we could talk a little bit about the garden. I don't know what's happening this year. Sure. Well, this particular year, uh, the annual mass is, is being held at St. Gertrude's. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Father Mike Gabriel is the administrator of St. Gertrude's. On Granville. On Granville. Don't forget, sometimes <laughs> people will end up at the Orland, Orland Park. <laughs> <laughs> On Granville in Chicago, <laughs> yes. And so... Franklin uh, Park, that's right. We, we wanted to... So, 
for the past 10 years, we've had the Mass at Holy Family Church right next to the Healing Garden. But uh, last year, we were at St. Agatha's Parish, mm -hmm. and now this year, we were at St. Gertrude's. Mm -hmm. We wanted to kind of put the healing on the road, so to speak, mm -hmm. so that it makes it more accessible to others who may wish to attend. So all victims, survivors, family members, all who are interested in healing from abuse in our church or in, in society in general are welcome at this Mass. Victim survivors help plan the Mass, uh, help do readings, uh, are, are yeah, intimately involved in picking the music and, and all of that. So it's planned by survivors beautiful. for survivors. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Date and time? It's October. It's Saturday, October fifteenth, at ten o'clock. And have you seen Gertrude's Saint over Gertrude. on Granville? Granville. And then people could go to that mass, and then get in their cars and come to Holy Name Cathedral because at noon we're dedicating a special statue for of Mother Cabrini, right, right. who was quite a healer in her own right. Exactly, and be a, hopefully a beautiful weather like today mm -hmm. on Saturday, October 15th. Maybe for a second, Mike, give us the history of the Healing Garden. Mm -hmm. It just didn't pop out of nowhere. Sure. And so it's on, it's on the grounds of Holy Family. Sure. Uh, over on Roosevelt. Sure. Now, th this dates us back to uh, when Cardinal George was our, our shepherd, and, and he was uh, looking for an additional outreach to victims. So this isn't like a required outreach in, right. in the charter. This right. was coming from the cardinal's heart and so how to do it and things like that was was the issue so we formed a committee of four abuse survivors uh, staff members from the office myra was with us the whole time uh, two priests so that was father larry dowling and father jerry boland mm -hmm. at the time and um we formed a committee to to develop the proposal and this was about what year this was in 2009 was the we, when we formed the committee and the healing garden was dedicated in 2011. Okay, that was a very fast moving thing in, in the way our church goes sometimes. That's and very so fast. That, <laughs> that that was the commitment by the cardinal to move this forward and to provide this additional outreach. And can you do a little? I, oh, there. We're going to be looking at it on YouTube. Well, describe the garden for our listeners that are not on YouTube. Sure. So for me, I'm biased. I love it there. It's a, it's an oasis where you can come to pray and to uh, reflect. It's in the heart of the city of Chicago, right on Roosevelt Road, uh, in, in the middle of a vacated city street. So it's not hidden away or anything. It's right there, um, almost on, you know, directly adjacent to the campus of St. Ignatius College Prep. And so there's oftentimes students sitting in the garden or mm -hmm. other parents who are dropping their kids off or other parishioners of, of Holy Family. And it's a beautiful place where we, you know, the Cardinal, Cardinal George wrote a beautiful reflection about healing that's on display. I think it's very interesting. And then our mission statement is on display that I think people would be interested in uh, in reading. And then we have a couple scripture passages, and we're, the center of it is this beautiful sculpture of the Holy Family. And that's really the core value of the garden. We want to restore what was lost when a child is abused. Uh, you know, the, the family bonds are broken. We're trying to restore those family bonds 
the sacredness of the Holy Family, and that's our inspiration. Now, Mike, is the Healing Garden open 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Because you walk, it's right off the sidewalk. You walk in a little bit. Absolutely. It's open uh, 24-7. Uh, there's parking directly next door. Um, during the day, you can use the washroom at uh, the rectory at Holy Family, and uh, all are welcome. Uh, our YouTube video Our YouTube is a beautiful uh, a sequence of yeah. the garden being, being dedicated, and our listeners, um, it just step by step, you could just see the love that was connected to making this happen. Now, Myra, moving forward, taking the Dallas Charter, going back and forth with the whole healing garden, is what work still needs to be done? That we don't become complacent with safe environment compl- uh, compliance requirements, that we, we remember that there's a reason that we do this, not only um, in response to uh, church abuse or clergy abuse, but that we protect children, that we, we remember Jesus is uh, telling us, let the children come to me. So the church has always been meant to be a place for children and for vulnerable adults Mm-hmm. And um, for all of us, but that requires us to be vigilant, um, not paranoid, vigilant. And that means meeting our requirements, making sure that we are we we say something when we see something, mm-hmm. um, making sure that children know that they have a right to be respected and know that there are safe adults in our church that they can go to if ever they need to, God forbid. Now, s- it's interesting. If you were in the studio, you could see the bond between you two. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, you, your commitment, Myra, is decades to this issue. Where did that come from, and and how do you two connect? So it didn't come because I was in school and I said I was going to be an assistance minister director. It came mm-hmm. from really my faith and my, my wanting to be um, available. And I'm always humbled. I'm always, I, I don't take this for granted. I never take for granted that a victim has told their story to us. I am always honored. I am always humbled by it. And because of it, I know that the church is trying to um, not fix it so that they can do publicity or they can say, mm-hmm. here, we did a good job. They know their church's mission. They, you know, we've had Cardinal Bernadine, Cardinal George, and now Cardinal Supich, all committed to this. And they make sure that their key leadership know that they're committed to it. And because of that, if if trickles down and we're all um, part of this. And with Mike, opening the door for him, you know, you, you see this man who is accomplished. And you think, oh, he's got it together. That's mm-hmm. okay. But you know, you know that the reason he's there is for something very painful. And so you want to be able to be compassionate. And you try and you hope you succeed. But I was there when he spoke to the Cardinal as well. Because Cardinals have all made themselves available to victims to meet with them if they wish. And I was there with his father-in-law. And so um, we sat while Mike met with the Cardinal. This would have been Cardinal... Cardinal George, George at the time. George. Right. Yeah. But you've met with Cardinal Supich as well. Yes. And on that note, Mark, take us to break. WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 
888-255-8408. Or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. And for our listeners and viewers, the number you can call if you have an issue of abuse you would like to discuss, 312-534-5238. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. My name is Mike Hoffman, and I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse by clergy. This is Father Dowling. Father Dowling has helped me with my healing journey uh, for so long now, probably for close to 15 years we've worked together, and I so appreciate everything that you've done. We want to invite you to an upcoming Mass at St. Agatha Parish. I'm going to turn it over to Father Dowling. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, it's been a privilege uh, to you know continue to work in the in the healing ministry with uh, with Mike, who's uh, really taken the lead you know as a, uh, a victim survivor, as a man of faith to uh, continue this work. And so again, uh, as Mike mentioned, we are hosting the tenth annual uh, Mass for Hope and Healing here at Saint Agatha uh, for the Archdiocese on Saturday, October twenty third, eleven a.m. And uh, we hope you will you we hope you will join us. Uh, we will be streaming online as well, so you can watch online if you choose to. Uh, but we would love to have you present with us as we, as we, uh, you know, come together, uh, supporting uh, victims and their families, uh, supporting all of those who have been affected by this, which includes us all. And uh, you know, and also to pray for those who continue to work uh, to keep our children safe and to support uh, victims of any type of violence uh, by trusted adults. So. Uh, again, we invite you and, uh, and thank you uh, in advance uh, for your prayers, uh, for our continued efforts to bring healing and wholeness uh, to all victims of violence. Please come. All are welcome. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096.
We're back, WNDZ 750 AM, Catholic Chicago. 312-255-8408 is our number. Go to youtube.com, or you can go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Mike, let's continue our conversation. So Myra told us about her connect with you. What about your connect? And then also let's keep talking about the event, the annual Mass for Hope and Healing, October 15th at St. Gertrude's on Granville Parking, north of the church. Correct. Correct. Thank you. Now, uh, to go back to um, the conversation about the connection, and I, I want all the listeners to know and, and all victim survivors to know that there's been accompaniment with me over the course of all these years. And so let's look at that. I first came forward to tell my story in 2006, and now it's 2022, and I'm still receiving services and still being connected uh, with the church in this, what I consider to be a healthy and healing way, consistent with my own faith. And so that relates back to you, and of course it relates to Myra. You know, Myra told the story, my fondest story is, is, is coming forward to meet with Cardinal George at the residence, and Myra was there, she opened the door, and the Sisters of Mercy were there, and, and both my father-in-law uh, and I came in, and uh, Cardinal George had come down, and then Cardinal George and I went into the Mundelein room uh, where I got to tell my story to the Cardinal. But Myra and Bill, and this means a lot to me, were able to connect on, the, on a family level mm -hmm. uh, that uh, makes it real for me at my house, if that makes sense. So now Bill and I have had so many, that's my father-in-law, so many great conversations and it made it more real for him, and it made it more real for my wife, Kathy, and to know that that was such a fond uh, memory and a good experience together on, on what's clearly a, 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 an emotionally conflicted day. It was really a nice experience. Why'd you ask him to come with? Well, it's something that I would normally have asked my parents, but my parents live, lived at the time in San Francisco, and I said to Kathy, you know, I'd normally ask my parents, and Kathy said, well, why don't you ask my dad? You know, her mom had passed away, and so I said, that's a great idea. Bill was a perfect, you know, person to accompany me uh, in the meeting with Cardinal George. And so uh, we— And Mike, this was in what year? That was in uh, probably—I came forward in 06. It was probably 2008. Okay. Can I ask what was the car ride home like? Well, the car ride down was uh, I was silent, and I did I'd never met a cardinal before, mm -hmm. and I never had a told, told somebody. You know, I have great respect for the office of the cardinal, but I had to tell him some some serious things as a way to you know unburden myself. And so the car ride down was real quiet. The car ride back, I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. It was pretty quiet as well. <laughs> and Bill Bill was perfect. My father in law was really great. So, uh, but th those are the fond memories mm -hmm. I now carry with me, and that's what accompaniment looks like. And healing is continuous. Yes. And it's, it's ongoing. Yes. Uh, take another right. level, Myra. The fact that you've been with the office, involved in this ministry for 31 years. Now, I've been, a, been blessed with the gift of priesthood, ordained back in 1979, so it's 43 and a half years ago. But in my life, there's a lot of highs of joy, baptisms, weddings, graduations, tremendous number of celebrated moments that are joy-filled, also very tough moments, uh, funerals, hospitals, emergencies, 
stories like Mike and others of tragedy and hardship. With you in that office, what keeps you going 31 years later in a, in a ministry that when I heard Mike's story back in 06, I was exhausted mm-hmm. when he left. I had almost stepped back. You do this every day. So what keeps you going? How do you do it? Um, I, I, every morning I start with prayer, and every morning I ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and for strength, and I believe he provides it. I, I've, I've seen the Mike Hoffins. I've seen the Kathy Hoffins. I've met so many people. I've sat across from victims who say, I haven't told my, my own wife. I haven't told my own husband, and yet I'm telling a stranger, and you made it, um, you made it possible for me, and so that 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 helps me to know that maybe I was instrumental in somebody's healing. So that's what keeps me going. We've made mistakes, we've we've hurt, but we've also seen times where victims have come forward and say, "I don't want this to happen to anybody else." And so from that, the church responded and got the charter and said, we're going to make sure children are trained, that people recognize what grooming is so that they could stop it, that they don't have to wait to tell an authority, that they have the ability to say, wait, you're not supposed to be doing that, or I don't, I don't feel comfortable with you doing it. So that, that's what keeps me going, the par- parts where I see the, the evolution, the parts where I see... Um, just real grace. And so, so you've seen then positive moments like Mike Hoffman, mm-hmm. others telling their story. When you see things happening and you're making a difference, that really gets you out of bed in the morning to keep going with the help and grace of God. Right, and even the frustrations, I say, I've got to get back in there and, and try yeah. to change that. But see, what you're talking about clearly is the church has changed. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, admitted the sin of the church in terms of because some of the victims could be my age and they could have been your age and they need to hear things have changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was in high school, there was a situation in our parish. I worked in the rectory. I saw stuff. The vicar general lived in our, you know what they did? Nothing. They did nothing until the guy stroked and then they pulled him. That doesn't exist now. No. And people need to hear that yeah, because they have could be definitely carrying changed. the burden as long as longer than you yeah. carried it, thinking there will be no response. And you're both here to witness to say there is a compassionate response. And so that number again, three one two five three four five two three eight. Do you want to talk about the mass a little bit more? Sure. Just make sure we get date, time, invitation. Sure. Well, from my perspective, I, I would want the listeners to know that, that hope is, and healing are possible. And, and, and so the church has accompanied me and my family and accompanies other victims and their families, and that hope and healing is possible. Who is the presider and homilist? Father Mike Gabriel, who's the administrator at St. Gertrude's is going to be the homilist, and he's going to be the main celebrant. Father Larry Dowling is going to be there as well. And everyone's welcome mm-hmm. to be there. It, it, you, you don't have to be a victim or family member of clergy sexual abuse. We're all part of this church. We're all part of the healing and the hope. And so we welcome everyone. 
It's at 10 o'clock mm-hmm. at St. Gertrude. Saturday, October mm-hmm. 15th over October on Glendale. And parking is north of the church. Right. And in the last couple of minutes for Mike or Myra, anything you'd like to say or dispel a rumor that still flies out there that you say, no, that is not true. Well, from my perspective, you know, there's a common misconception that, you know, a victim survivor of clergy abuse telling his or her story will be met with with difficulty and mm-hmm. with confrontation and resistance. And, and resistance. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And so I'm just here to say that that's not true. Uh, we encourage you, I encourage you to come forward to tell your story. And if you do that, I know it's a hard thing to do. But if you do that, you will be met with decency and compassion and professionalism, not confrontation. Myra? I, I just want to be able to tell people that give us an opportunity to hear your, your story. That's, and and we, will, we will hold it in compassion. We will accompany you. We will provide resources. The important thing is that you get healing in whatever way it is that you need it. I was going to say that, uh, you know, going back in time, Mike, you know, I met in 1999. You came to see me in 2006. I know in, in, in hindsight now you were afraid to see me or talk to me because you thought I might be questioning my priesthood or I could put you down and say, get out of here. Who do you think you are? I mean, you, you were taking that risk, and of course, we had the exact opposite response. The thing is, I actually, as you left the office, I thought more of you well, first of all, I felt very sorry, like, oh, my God, this is, I, if you'd given me 25 guesses while you were coming to see me, I never would have guessed that, mm-hmm. 100 guesses. And, but I thought the courage it took for you to step into my office and share that 30-year secret, I had such an incredible, res- profound, deeper respect for you, like, wow, the courage it took. So we're coming to the end of our program here. Again, the number one more time marked for our listeners if they want to talk to someone in the office. 312-534-5238. 312-534-5238. want to thank in a very special way both Myra Flores and Mike Hoffman. Thank you for joining us for this profound hour. Special thanks to Mark Tracy, co-host. Our producers, engineers, Michael May, Brian Hockey, Hitman Brock. To our listeners, may God bless all of you. Pray for healing and enjoy this beautiful gift of weather this week. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.